Registration is now open on What's Your Name's Yucatan Tour 2024. Join us in Mexico as we walk in the footsteps of Zazel Ha, learn traditional Mayan cooking, tour Mayan ruins, snorkel with sea turtles, and so many more off-the-beaten-track adventures with our wonderful little band of kindred spirits. Spots are going fast, so sign up now on our website at whatsyournamepodcast.com. We can't wait to see you there. This episode was sponsored by Girls Can Crate, a subscription box inspiring girls to believe that they can be and do anything. Real women make the best heroes, and every month they deliver them to your front door. Happy Halloween, Olivia. (laughs) Happy Halloween. (laughs) My favorite. Let's begin with fear. That seems right for a Halloween special. Yes. What are you afraid of? Oh, man. Do you want a list? (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, Ghosts. The dark. Scary animals. Mean people. Strange men. Heights. (laughs) Enclosed spaces. Tunnels. Underground spaces. Scorpions. Spiders. You're amazingly uh, efficient. <laughs> I think about this a lot. <laughs> Are you really afraid of the dark? I'm scared of the dark in places that I'm not familiar with and that there might be stuff out there that is alive or not alive or otherwise mm-hmm. threatening. Yes. And that seems to be a common strand among all of our greatest fears. Mm. Maybe everyone's greatest fears. And I think... Since this is a Halloween special, H.P. Lovecraft can spell it out Mm. for us. In this tidy little quote, The oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear. (laughs) And the oldest and strongest fear is fear of the unknown. Well, he definitely knew how to exploit that fear. Yes. And that's what I think is at the, the root of all of these fears, like fear of the dark or fear of strange men you know you don't know what's going to happen it's the fear of the unknown that is the deepest of all of our fears so halloween is near and dear to our hearts here in america (laughs) and it's getting bigger every year where we celebrate the macabre and we revel in the unknown and it Mm. seems like what we're doing is Conjuring fear and death so that we can face it. Hmm. But the roots of Halloween go way, way back. So today, I'd like to tell you the tale of a witch. A real witch who had a hooked nose and a wide-brimmed hat. And she Ah. made potions and she cast spells 500 years ago. Yay! (laughs) Really? It's a story about fear. And how in Tudor England, the unknown and the unexplainable was a very scary thing. But for one woman known as Mother Shipton, nothing was unknowable, not even the future. And so she was never afraid. And that was her power. I'm Katie Nelson. And I'm Olivia Mickle. And this is What's-Her-Name, fascinating women you've never heard of. In 
In the North Yorkshire town of Knaresborough, I visited Mother Shipton's, an amazing historic site that, honestly, I wish I could go back to all the time. <laughs> and I spoke with Jay Stelling. My name is Jay Stelling and I am an office assistant at Mother Shipton's. I'm also an illustrator and author. Who has the coolest job. She's the most recent in a four centuries long line of people who've operated England's oldest visitor attraction. Prop making, I do everything. Fun. Yeah, it's the weirdest job in the world, but yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah it's lovely. And together, Jay and I Those walked through the ancient yeah. woods on the banks of the River Nid. The River yeah. Nid? Nid, yes, N-I-D-D. <laughs> ah, I love it's it. It's beautiful, yeah, and people, uh, you can hire boats and go up along on here. Ah. Lovely. The story begins as any Halloween special should. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> and really, it was. <laughs> it was 1488, and the town of Knaresborough huddled between the River Nid and a castle towering above. Thunder roared and lightning ripped through the skies. This was a night of evil portents. No Christian soul would dare to be out on such a night. But look, on the river, a small rowboat is struggling through the waves. A girl is crying. But wait, she's not just crying, she's, she's rowing. Her cries of despair are mixed with cries of pain as she heaves against the oars in the storm. She stops to rest and to scream as she holds her belly. Is she having a baby? She is pregnant. Ah. She's just 15. No. She has refused to reveal the identity of the father. The baby is coming. Her name is Agatha, and she's very, very brave. Not just because she's rowing across the river in a thunderstorm at night while she's in labor. <laughs> she's brave because of where she's headed. To the deep, dark woods on the other mm. side. To the forest where no one dares to go. Because this forest isn't just any forest. And I mean pretty much all forests were deemed to be dangerous and wild and scary in the Tudor era. <laughs> but this forest is widely rumored to have a supernatural pool of water that turns anything that touches it to stone. Mm. And not only that, but the wall of stone that overhangs the pool was shaped like a giant screaming skull. Ah! Surely the work of the devil. Yeah. To be sure. Years ago, people who dared to venture there even brought back leaves and sticks and even small creatures turned to stone that they found in the pool on the other side of the river. So ah. they steered well clear of that side of the river. But Agatha was an orphan and now she's pregnant. She's desperate. Hmm. The people of the town have turned her out. They refuse to help her so long as she conceals the identity of the true father. So she's rowing across the river to seek shelter where no one else will ever go. 
When she stumbled up the bank on the other side, she spotted a small cave. Inside, slightly sheltered from the storm, she pushed back her wet hair to clear her eyes. She looked out from the cave, and in a flash of lightning, she saw just a few steps up the riverbed, a skull-shaped rock ah! with water cascading down it to a pool of water underneath. <laughs> <laughs> the baby was born in the cave while the storm raged around them. Ugh. And it's said, as the baby emerged into the world, she didn't cry, she mm. cackled. <laughs> <laughs> She named the baby Ursula. And they say she's massive, this baby, and not like a usual baby, deformed and weird looking. In a, a haunched back, she was supposed to be really what you'd expect a witch to look like. Maybe that's been embellished and changed, and I hope she didn't look quite like that. But that's the accounts we've got, and that's what people always say about her. Mother and child lived there alone for two years. Oh. The cave is still there, the very spot. Oh, cool. You have to walk through the spooky woods to get there. This here is Beach Avenue, and these are some of the oldest and tallest trees in the country. They're beech trees, and they grow really, really tall because of the River Nid being so close. Still here? Yeah. And here we are at the cave. Thank you. But more than that, right next to the cave, there was indeed a pool that turned things to stone. Ah! And it's still there. <laughs> cool. This part of the petrifying well was known as the giant's skull. So as well as the petrifying well having all these magical properties and being terrifying, it also looked like a giant skull. In some images, it looks really, really quite scary. You can stand right at the base of it and see the water cascading down, and you can see it turning objects to stone before your very eyes. What? It's awesome. And I mean, geology can't explain it now, but do we want it to? No. <laughs> Science ruining everything. <laughs> There's an underground lake, um, and then the water creeps up through this thing called an aquifer. Basically, there's just lots of minerals um, in the water, really high mineral content. Um, a lot of calcium and sulfates, a bit of magnesium, and that's what makes things turn to stone. Obviously, now we deliberately hang things to turn to stone. Um, but back in the 1400s, things would naturally just turn to stone. So dead animals and birds and twigs. If you saw that, I think you would be shocked. Yeah. This is, so the underground lake is somewhere over there, way underground. And then the water comes all the way down here, over the other side and over the top of the well. And you can see people have put in coins. That's another a lucky thing people do. 
Oh, the spiders. They were for the Witches and Wizards event we had over summer. Yeah, bit creepy. Hairy too, that's the gross bit. <laughs> I told you my job is weird. <laughs> so it forms travertine and tulfa. So tulfa is a softer rock, a softer, like more porous rock. So that's most of what the what it is. So we hang <laughs> teddy bears because Ursula's name is Latin for little bear. That's why we've always hung teddy bears from the well. The two oldest things that are here are these two lumps. So that's a lady's bonnet and a man's top hat. 1853. They were left on the way to York races and then never come back for us. So it's over 150 years old, those ones. And so it's just kept on petrifying over <laughs> the top. Whoa. But this is the Halloween special, so it's supernatural and it's terrifying. It's the devil. It's physical evidence of the powers <laughs> of evil. Hmm. <laughs> And as she grew, it became clear she was no ordinary child. And then the Abbot of Beverly intervenes? The Abbot of Beverly intervened to help. Although we don't know who the father was, because the Abbot of Beverly, who is an important figure, we think that the father must have been influential or very wealthy to have had that intervention. And then Agatha goes to a convent in, we think, Nottinghamshire, but then there's no more record of her after that. And baby Ursula goes to live with a family in Knaresborough. But she was never really welcomed. She was feared. Hmm. When she was taken in by the family in Knaresborough, her foster mother went out to run an errand and then came back to find the door wide open. So she calls on her neighbours to come and help. She thinks she's been burgled. And they go in, only to find they hear wailing through the house. They look and the cradle is empty. Where's baby Ursula gone? And they find her sat on an iron bar above the chimney, naked and giggling at the age of two. Is this a story she made up to cover the fact that she had left the child on its own? Or is it twisted devilry? So our sources are written after the fact, and to separate fact from fiction is, like, impossible. <laughs> but still, we can make our best educated guesses by critically analyzing the different sources that we do have, which are actually quite a lot. Because she became a very famous witch in her mm. day, and she was famous for centuries afterwards. I mean, there's been, since 1641, there's been 50 different books um, with her prophecies and parts of her history and life. Um, but the, I think the earliest account was said to have been things that Mother Shipton had said to a young girl, Joanne Waller, when, so she was a young girl when Mother Shipton was old and almost at her end of life. Yeah. Um, so that's supposed to be that the first time that it was written down was after she'd told it to this young girl, Joanne Waller. And these are the stories that people told about her. As she grew, people were cruel. Here's an account from 1686. All the important men in town were gathered in a meeting. And uh, here's what the source says, quote, and she coming thither on an occasional errand, some of them abused her, calling her the devil's bastard and hag face and the like. 
So this is grown men in a Jeez. meeting. You know, the important men of town. This child comes around and they mock her as the devil's bastard and hag face. And here's where we see Ursula start to emerge as somebody who's not going to put up with this crap. <laughs> the source says, quote, one of the principal men that thought himself spruce and fine had in an instant his neck ruff, which in those days they wore, pulled off and the seat of a toilet clapped in its place. <laughs> <laughs> he that sat next to him, bursting out into laughter at the sight thereof, was served little better, for his hat was invisibly conveyed away, and the pan of a chamber pot which stood in the next room put on his head thereof instead. Ah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's what magic's for. Exactly. <laughs> Rip off that dude's neck rough and give him a toilet seat instead. <laughs> Fantastic. So this is the kind of earliest account we have. And uh, after that, the townspeople took her more seriously. <laughs> a neighbor came to her saying, I've had a smock and a petticoat stolen. And she said, I know exactly who it was and I'll get it back to you. And she did the next day, they went to the market cross, her and the neighbor. And the lady who had stolen the uh, smock was, came up wearing it, holding the petticoat and said, I have it, I stole it, here is it back. So was that the power of Mother Shipton saying, I have these devilish powers, yeah. I know it was you, give it back. Or was it really a magic spell? She got married. And then she married at the age of 24 in 1512 to a local carpenter um, called Toby Shipton. But Mother Shipton was supposed to have been this ugly, haggard old woman and people thought that she had given him a a love potion or a, cast a spell on him. And then he died two years later. And of course, again, it was her fault. She was never embraced in the town. She was always terrifying to people. And to escape the suspicion and the rejection of the town, she would escape across the river like her mother. Hmm. And she found peace in the cave and in the woods. She was supposed to have come back here in these woods. So she was born down in the cave and then she'd come back here to escape the bullies and the harsh words of people in the town. She'd come back here for some peace and quiet um, to this woodland to collect herbs for remedies and potions. Um, people for a long time sold remedies and soaps and all sorts and it had Mother Shipton's name on. You'd put Mother Shipton's name on it to give it some mystical presence in the market. The woods there are protected now. All of this, um, all of this woodland was once part of the Royal Forest of Knaresborough. It's also supposed to be where the last wild boar was slain. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. It is wonderful. It is so beautiful. Oh, cool. But also kind of eerie. <laughs> she made potions for people and 
probably cast spells. I mean, really today, we'd probably call her an herbalist or an alternative healer. Hmm. They called her a witch. If she collected her herbs around that pool, um, high concentrations of minerals in the water of vegetables and herbs super concentrate the chemicals in those plants. So like if you use salt water oh. to water your tomatoes, they're super tomatoey. So maybe really? she had super herbs. Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> that's fantastic. And that's why her stuff worked so that's much That's why better. it worked, yeah. That's my story. I love that. She was becoming more and more famous and more and more bold. Mm. She could even see the future, they said, and her prophecies kept coming true. Absolutely, yes, they came true. So, of course, she gained respect. Wow. Do you want to hear some of her prophecies that they say came true? Of course. Here's one. Water shall come over Ooze Bridge, and a windmill shall be set upon a tower, and an elm tree shall lie at every man's door. So these are her kind of, you know, classic, strangely yeah. vaguely worded prophecies. People repeated those lines and thought, what could this mean? Water shall come over Ooze Bridge. But then one day the locals of York marveled when they got a piped water system and the river <laughs> was carried through pipes across the bridge, across mm. the Ouse River, and a windmill drew up the water to the pipes. <laughs> so there's the water coming over Ouse Bridge in a windmill set upon a tower. Yeah. And then the second part of it, an elm tree shall lie at every man's door. You know, that's what she was seeing. She couldn't make sense of it. But the pipes with this water system were carved out of elm trees. <gasps> because unlike other types of wood, elm doesn't rot when it gets wet. So they had hollowed out elm trees as the pipes that went up to every man's door. Wow. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, here's another one. Before Ooze Bridge, so there's the River Ooze in York again. Mm -hmm. Before Ooze Bridge and Trinity Church meet, what is built in the day shall fall in the night, till the highest stone of the church be the lowest stone of the bridge. Mm -hmm. So she says that and everybody's like, okay, what does that mean? These are the kind of prophecies that usually make sense after the fact. Right. <laughs> but not long after, the steeple of York's Trinity Church fell. <gasps> there was a huge storm one night. And not only did the steeple fall, but a good deal of the bridge over the River Ouse was swept into the river by a flood. Wow. And the bridge later was rebuilt, and as part of its foundations, they used the stone from the church <laughs> that had fallen into the river. Wow. So there you have the highest stone of the church be the lowest stone of the bridge. Wow. So cool. Okay, she's cool. Cool. 
This is my favorite one, though, because the wording of it is not mysterious. <laughs> it's very straightforward. <laughs> when there is a Lord Mayor living in Minster Yard, let him beware of a stab. <gasps> <laughs> and indeed, when the Lord Mayor of York came to live in the Minster Yard one night, he was mugged and stabbed three times. <sighs> Why would he do that? Yeah, why didn't he beware of a stab? He didn't believe, but he believed afterwards, I'm sure. Listen to women. <laughs> she even uttered prophecies about the king himself. <gasps> and this is Tudor England. So who's the most famous king? Tudor England. Henry VIII. Of course. So he is the king. Her prophecies are getting bigger and bigger until she's actually talking about the king himself. But these are kind of vaguely worded. Sometimes, like with the elm trees, she doesn't understand exactly what it is. She's just describing mm. these visions that she has. And it seems like when she's seeing visions of particular people, she can see the uh, heraldry mm. rather than the person themselves. And so she uses the, the animal, which is their symbol, mm. uh, to describe them. Okay, so here's the one which talks about Henry VIII. He is a cow. <laughs> Wait, is there a... <laughs> He's a cow. cow. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> and the bull is Anne Boleyn because a black bull's head is her family crest. Mm. Okay. When the cow doth ride the bull, then, priest, beware the skull. And when the lower shrubs do fall, the great trees quickly follow shall. The mitred peacock's lofty pride shall to his master be a guide. And one great court to pass shall bring what was never done by any king. The poor shall grieve to see that day. And who did feast must fast and pray. Fate so decreed their overthrow, riches brought pride and pride brought woe. <laughs> so this, they say, predicts Henry VIII's famous dissolution of the monasteries mm. so that he could seize the lands of the Catholic Church and end what he saw as blatant corruption of the abbots and the monks so that those who did feast must fast and pray, the monks mm. who are living the high life, and then he takes it all away. Mm. All of this and much more was engineered by his loyal servant, Thomas Wolsey. Right. Son of a butcher who would rise to become the chancellor and then a cardinal, the chief engineer of Henry VIII's policies. But because he came from nothing and rose to become so powerful, her prophecy calls him a mitered peacock. Hmm. So this seems to predict with surprising accuracy what actually happened <laughs> and the poor will mourn because now the monasteries aren't feeding the poor anymore like yes we, like we talked about in our last halloween episode exactly yep and the mitered peacock's lofty pride shall to his master be a guide cardinal wolsey is the one who's actually in charge of everything ha. and one great court to pass shall bring what was never done by any king breaking with the catholic church and right. setting up his own religion right but in the, in the end, despite all he had given and all he had done for Henry VIII for 20 years, Cardinal Wolsey's fortune turned. Poor yeah. guy. <laughs> because Henry wanted a divorce. 
<laughs> and he had assigned Wolsey the simple task of getting the Pope's blessing for this divorce. But Cardinal Wolsey failed again and again. And he was demoted, disgraced, but kind of as a gesture. Henry VIII said he could still be Archbishop of York, far up north. And that's kind of the whole point. He's saying, <laughs> go away, far, far away from London. He was being dumped. Hmm. And then Cardinal Wolsey heard rumor of a prophecy uttered by the now famous Mother Shipton. <laughs> now shall the mitred peacock first begin to plume, whose train shall make a great show in the world for a time, but shall afterwards vanish away and his great honor come to nothing. Uh-oh. So she told him that he would see York but never reach it, despite being the archbishop of it. She definitely had an issue with authority and particularly pompous men in big, powerful positions. She always had something to say about them. Even though he's down on his luck right now, he's not about to be beaten while he's down by this obscure woman from nowhere. Right. So he, he dispatched three powerful lords to seek out this witch and to shut her down. They disguised themselves as regular folk so they could take her by surprise. They could pretend like they were just visiting her for normal purposes. Hmm. What they failed to realize is that she's a witch and she can see the future and she knows everybody's motivations. <laughs> and so when they showed up, she said, I know who you are and why you're here. <laughs> he wanted her burned when he got to York. Wolsey's men warned her that when he got to York, he would have her burned at the stake for witchcraft. Really? She says. Let's see. She <laughs> took off her cap and she threw it into the fire, but it didn't burn. <gasps> she reached for her wooden crutch and she threw that in the fire. It too didn't burn. <laughs> so she pulled them both back out, dusted them off and said, well, there you go. If these had burned, I would have too. <laughs> then then the men were afraid yeah. what, what is this sorcery how did she do that and she could see their fear mm. and she could see their future she told them she could see all three of their heads on the bridge over the river ooze mm -hmm. <laughs> meanwhile Thomas Wolsey had left London in disgrace and he was headed for York it was a long journey, especially in those days. Their final stop before entering York was just 10 miles outside the city, where there was this fortified medieval tower that he was staying in for the night. And as he ate his dinner, he recalled that some peasant witch had prophesied that he would never see York. <laughs> ha! He said, I'll show her. And he was, at this point, he was old and he was ill. But he defiantly climbed the tower, wheezing but triumphant because there on the horizon was York and he could see it. He got near to York and looked out and said, ah, I can see York. She was wrong. <laughs> this witch is certainly wicked. She deserves to be burned. She said I wouldn't see York, but there it is. <laughs> but a calm voice behind him said, my lord. 
No, she said you would see York, but never reach it. <laughs> Wolsey looks behind him, and there stood Lord Percy, one of the three he had sent to visit Mother Shipton weeks before. He'd been sent by Henry VIII to fetch Thomas Wolsey back to London, where he was to be tried for high treason. <laughs> the next day, they departed for London, and old and ill as he was. He died en route, a broken man, having never reached York. Wow. Wow! Yeah. After that, Mother Shipton's prophecies were much sought out yeah. and much repeated. <laughs> I would imagine so. And it's the repetition of all her most famous prophecies that eventually led to them being written down in books. Mm. It's said that she predicted the entire Tudor saga, everything from the sickly Edward VI to Bloody Mary to the maiden Queen Elizabeth, even the nine days Queen Jane Grey, they all make an appearance wow. in her prophecies. And you remember those three great lords who visited her in disguise? Yeah. They too met the fate that she saw for them. Hmm. They all got their heads chopped off and put on pikes in York. <laughs> Wow. She even predicted her own death in 1561. She died of old age in 1561, and she knew the day when it came, she knew the hour. She said goodbye to her friends and laid down as if to go to sleep. No one knows where she's buried. Oh. She, she wasn't allowed a Christian burial, they say. I mean, she was, after all, a witch. Right. But she must have had allies or friends. And in the end, I like to think that maybe they buried her there in those cool, quiet woods where mm. she had always found peace and solace. And if that's the case, it might help explain the rumors that the woods are haunted. Mm. <laughs> Mother Shipton still inhabits the place, they say. And many visitors have reported a presence in one way or another. Even Jay Selling has had an experience she can't explain at the top of the stairs above the pool. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I was walking down the steps, so this is after the park's closed, and I was coming down here because we turned the lights off for the, and the sound boxes mm -hmm. um, in that little hut there. So I was coming down the steps to come and do all that. Park's closed, and I hear footsteps and someone walked past me. But I turn around, there's no one there. It was like someone just pushed past and I'm like, whoa. Oh. Spooky. Oh. Yeah. Was it her? Who knows? Many of Mother Shipton's predictions are still coming true, they say. People think she saw the modern era, but she couldn't understand it. And so she explained it using early modern terms. Mm. Ready? Yes. The fiery year, as soon as o'er, peace shall then be as before. Plenty everywhere be found, and men with swords shall plow the ground. The time shall come when seas of blood shall mingle with greater flood. Carriages without horses shall go, and accidents fill the world with woe. <laughs> Around the world, Thoughts shall fly in the twinkling of an eye. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, waters shall yet more wonders do. How strange yet shall be true. The world upside down shall be, and gold found at the root of a tree. Through hills men shall ride, and no horse or ass be by their side. Underwater men shall walk, shall ride, shall sleep, shall talk. In the air men shall be seen, in white, in black, in green. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so you can imagine how what she's seeing is future technologies she doesn't understand. Yeah. Mother Shipton predicted the end of the world. She said, the world shall end when thrice the high bridge falls. Um, but it's also reported in other accounts. It was Charles Hindley who reported it as um, that it would end in 1881. Oh. And then that passed and went and the world didn't end. Yeah. It was then changed to 1991. Oh. And again, the world is still here. Um, but Mother Shipton's actual prophecy was that it will end when thrice the high bridge has fallen and that's the one up by our entrance and that bridge has fallen twice so far <laughs> wow <laughs> there was an old drawing of a now long gone headstone which some believe was her headstone <laughs> if it was hers i can read it to you now <laughs> here lies she who never lied whose skill so often has been tried, her prophecies shall still survive and ever keep her name alive. Oh. I like the story of Mother Shipton because it has a happy enough ending and not many witches or accused right. witches had that kind of ending <laughs> in the Tudor era. She lived to a ripe old age and she died peacefully in her bed. On schedule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She must have had some protection, some people say. <laughs> there must have been some powerful person protecting her. This is the thinking. But maybe the powerful figure wasn't someone else watching over her. Maybe it was her. <laughs> if we look at her story and all the characters in it, we see fear in every one of them. Fear of the other side of the river, fear of the water that turns things to stone, fear of illness, fear of the misshapen human form even, <laughs> fear of the king, fear of the pope, fear of never producing a male heir. <laughs> this is all fear of what might happen, fear of the unknown. Except Mother Shipton. <laughs> She doesn't fear the other side of the river or the water. She doesn't fear illness or the misshapen human form. She doesn't even fear the king and his men. <laughs> she doesn't fear the future, not even her own death. Awesome. And that in the end turns out to be more than even kings and cardinals can command. <laughs> that was her supernatural power. She was feared and respected, that's the thing. People came to her for advice, but also were scared of her. It was a strange legacy that she had. But I think she was fantastic and her legacy lives on incredibly. 
If you want to learn more about Mother Shipton, find links to academic articles and lots of images on our website, whatsyournamepodcast.com. Special thanks to Jay Stelling at Mother Shipton's. Next time you're in Yorkshire, stop by and say hi. Music for this episode was recorded by the Tudor Consort, which you can download for free. Find the link on our website. And we also featured music composed by Roman Cano, Ben Sound, Elena Naumova, and Kevin McLeod. Our theme song was composed and performed by Daniel Foster Smith. This is the last episode in season six. If you become a patron now, you'll receive our really nice trading cards with every woman we featured in this season. Special shout out to Chantel Oliver, Mandy Booty, and Julia Labosco. We'll be taking a short break, but we'll be back in November with season seven and more fascinating women you've never heard of. Thanks for donating. Thanks for listening. <laughs>